I remember waiting and trying not to, but waiting like being in the right place at the right time, wearing the right thing, and then being hit with the romance of being alone. The thrill of running your fingers down the bindings of dusty books and belonging to nothing but time. Sat by a sunny window with a notebook cracked and a blank page beating with endless stories yet to fall out. And then you. You with the kind eyes and the quiet presence boom onto the scene with such mystery and everything in me that had been trying not to wait stood at attention. And I began to come alive to the sound of your laugh and memorize the grooves of your hands and the flow of your hair and the kind of tea you drink and the thoughts you think and the silence suspended between your words. And we hit the ground running with picnics by the water and books read aloud and the comfort of each other's company. And then there were approximately 1,000 goodbyes. The feeling of peeling yourself back from a person who is not yet yours and maybe never will be, like chasing a ghost. And the feelings fade from wild and thrilling to low and longing, and you start to choose. And will yourself to stay close and keep up the hellos and the goodbyes, and you decide sometimes that you could give this kind of love forever. And forever builds up like a stockpile in the distance. And it's sparkly and heightened and happy, and then it is here and all around you, like wooden floors with familiar creaks and some boards worn from frequent walks back and forth to the coffee pot and the bedroom and the same old chairs where we sit and say the same things, only differently, over and over. And soon, you notice the laugh lines beside your lover's eyes, and you start to wonder with what memories did you help put them there? Because the history is thicker now, like a dusty book on a quaint shelf, like happy hellos and peeled back goodbyes, like worn boards stacked to form a love that's now a home. Isn't that just amazing? What, 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 uh, I don't know about you, but someone just yelled out cute, like that kiss at the end. It's just beautiful. I, I was up here crying, and then we just had laughter in the video. I don't know about you across the state, but so good to be with you guys. I remember when I was about 10 years old, uh, I was a little church kid, and we walked outside of the church uh, building, and I remember talking with my buddies. We just heard this message about marriage and dating, and I remember saying, man, I, one day I want to get married. And I remember thinking I was this cool, like, 10-year-old dude. And I said, there's three things that I want in a future wife. I want her to be good-looking. Like, I want to be good-looking and blonde. Uh, the second thing is I want her to be short. Because if I have a tall wife, uh, we'll just have kind of freakishly large babies. And I, I don't want that. Uh, then the third thing is I was like, I guess she can love Jesus. Well, fast forward a few years later. Uh, not when I was 13, but a little, a few more years later, uh, I, I remember finding this short, good-looking uh, blonde lady who loved Jesus, and we would go on some dates and start dating. 
uh, and as time would go by, we would try and figure this thing out, trying to figure out how to date and do it in the right way. As, as time would go by, we kind of figured out that we wanted to get married, and as, as we would go on the journey together, look at, look at that. That is just beautiful right there, that lanky pimple boy with a good-looking girl, you know? But as time would go by, we would get older and decide that we wanted to get married. And, and as we got older, uh, we got married and, and we did the life together. And then now we're old. I've got some gray hairs and we've got a little kid now and another one on the way. Uh, come on, we got another. We're making, we're making some boys. We got two boys and uh, you can pull that down. There's just lots, lots of uh, family photos. Time. It's like a school, school project, you know. Look at my little photo. But I say that to say is we, we've, we tried to do this thing called dating together. And it, was, it looks good and sounds good, but there was a lot of hard moments. There's no one more in life that I've argued with more than Taylor. We, we, had a, we had a fight last night. Like, it just never ends, you know what I mean? Like, this beautiful thing. Everyone's like, oh, they love, the pastor said he fought. You know, we, we have arguments. But the thing in relationships is you have hard moments and you have good moments. And then, but the, you get a little bit older and maybe as you grew up, you, you had this idea of what could a relationship look like? And you see the imagery before you in culture and you see what could it could be. We grow up, we watch these fairy tale movies of the prince finds a princess and they get older and grow up. And then you get older and see more and more like the celebrities, they get together. But then you see the, the harsh side of it. Maybe it was a, a friend's family member who had a divorce, or maybe it was your parents who had a divorce. And you go in these waters as maybe you get older and start dating and you try yourself to date. But then you get heartache and there's challenge and love is difficult and tricky. And we're just trying to figure this thing out. And we're trying to figure out how do you journey through this? And so that's what we want to talk about over this month is just relationships. It's difficult. Like the dating field is like a minefield trying to date and just not get hurt and trying to figure this thing out. And we are trying to go on this journey together of relationships. So I say all of that to say I've got three quick questions. Are there any single people in the room? They're like, is it a good thing to say yes? I said, are there any single people in the room? Come on. Come on, this is your moment. Find your lover. Find future husband or wife, you know. Uh, well, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're, you're not in a relationship, but I really think this conversation can help cha- shape the trajectory of your life. And I also want to encourage you that singleness is a gift. God, God's, the Bible is very clear about how singleness is a gift. We don't have to just in church culture think this is a disease. I've got to get out of this. I've got to find Mr. Perfect and get on out of here. Use it, make the most of this season. Uh, are there any dating people in the room? Like you're in a relationship, make some noise. Yeah, yeah, I'm really proud to be in a relationship. Get, get loud about it. I want to encourage you, man. I'm going to poke and prod a little bit tonight. I'm going to poke and, and see uh, maybe there's ways that you can feel encouraged, but maybe, oh, we might change a little bit here. Uh, but I really think tonight can be encouraging to you. And lastly, are there any married people in the room? <laughs> yeah, the, the married people. Well, I hope it would also encourage you tonight that I really do uh, know this to be true, that the pursuit of a relationship never ends and we are wanting to build something over the future. And if this is your first time at Rally, we are so grateful that you're here. Can we make some noise for all of our friends if it's our first time across the state? 
we do this. This is a family that meets all across the state of South Carolina. We're seeing God do great things. And uh, we meet and we gather on this first Tuesday. Then we also have groups that gather all across the state. And we want to encourage you, get connected into the family of what God's doing all around. And my name's Josh, and I'm excited to share with you tonight. But we're going to look really quickly at a letter Uh, written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there with me. We're going to look at this text together of this letter that was written by Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus. Uh, You can read more about the journey of the church in Ephesus in Acts 18 and 19. Paul had spent time with them, around two to three years, journeying with them and helping this church in Ephesus. Some time would go by and we would find Paul in a jail, in a prison, writing this letter to the church in Ephesus as an encouragement. We read in the first half of this, of this letter, really an encouragement about how to know God and some key doctrine and things you must understand for the Christian faith. But in the second half of this, this letter, we read about living for Christ and the way in which we should live and his encouragement to the church and to the body of Christ. And I want to look at six verses that Paul writes as an encouragement really as how to live as the body. How do you live as the body? Because he writes this letter and it says this, how to live. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, so for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. If you're taking notes tonight, the big thought that I would encourage you to take home with you is plain and simply this. Date in a manner worthy of your calling. Date in a manner worthy of your calling. Paul's writing this letter as an encouragement to the early church. He's saying, hey, don't forget your calling and walk in a manner worthy of your calling. When we look at the scriptures and trying to figure out relationships, we don't just find a book on dating. It's not like we go in here and find on dating because dating It is a modern idea of culture, something in the last 120 years. But there's always been, over time after time, the romantic pursuit from, hello, nice to meet you, to here they come, we're about to get in marriage. And I want to look at this text tonight about this idea of dating is something that is leading somewhere. It should not just be a status that we find ourselves in. Dating should go somewhere. The Bible is really clear that you are either called to singleness or marriage, but we are not called to just date. There is somewhere that we should be going in this, and that this idea that dating should move towards marriage. Date in a manner worthy of your calling. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for our rally. I thank you that all across the state we can gather in different cities and have a conversation around uh, relationships. And God, we want to, uh, your grace, we need you, God. We, we need your help. We, we need uh, your leading and your guide. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you be so welcome here tonight? And, and we just need more of you. 
Plain and simply, we love you, and we're so grateful. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I, I uh, just got back from Australia. I, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I love Australia, but it is a very far away place, far, far, far away. Like, I, I, it took forever. We, we drove back into Anderson yesterday morning at 6 a.m., so I'm a little bit delirious and jet lag. But we were in Australia, and it had been nearly two, two years since we've seen our family. We've, we had our son, Eli, and it was like the big family reunion. We got to introduce our family to Eli. It was so much fun, drink some good coffee, have a good time. But I, I remember so clearly, uh, we've done this now. We've, we've lived in the States nearly five years. I, I remember plenty of flights to Australia where we honestly had a great time. You kind of get in your seat. Uh, you get on the plane, you, you think, I'm going to watch some movies, have a little nap, read a book, just a nice little kind of re- relaxing time, get on the plane, and then you're excited to go on an adventure. I don't know about you, but that feeling when you get in an airport, and it's like, man, I'm going somewhere, this is exciting. Well, I've got to be honest with you, this flight was the polar opposite of anything I've ever experienced in my life. It was a borderline nightmare, uh, because I went with an 18-month-old child, and, and I don't recommend it. The reason being is, is I love my little man, Eli, but, but it's like a torture trying to trap this kid in a seat and say, dude, don't move. And he's just trying to like pop his head over to the old man trying to sleep behind him. He's like, hello, 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 hello for like 15 hours straight. And then he's trying to just run up and down the, the, the aisle and people are trying to sleep and he's like kicking their feet and they're like waking up, looking around who's there and it's like a little child standing at their feet. Or he's trying to crawl under the chairs and you're trying your best to keep this kid in, in one place. But then all of a sudden it's like we've only been on this plane for 30 minutes. I've got 15 more hours to go. What am I going to do? I, I remember like being about probably a couple hours into the flight. They'd kind of gone through all their checks. We're up in the air. We're kind of cruising. And then like over the air, the radio, it's like, uh, excuse me. I hope everyone has a great night's sleep. Uh, we're going to dim the cabin lights now, and we'll see you in the morning. And then everyone like kind of leans back and it's like, ah, oh, it's sleep time. And then it's like Eli decides it's party time. And, and he's like just decides to just like look around everywhere, and then all of a sudden he's like starting to get really tired now, and I'm trying to rock his butt to sleep. I'm like, please, buddy, please go to sleep. Please go to sleep. All these people are looking at me. Please, please, please go to sleep. And then he's like, no, Dad, I'm not going to sleep. And he's like bouncing everywhere. I'm like, bro. Everyone is now asleep, and you are deciding to just scream at the top of your lungs. He's like, Dad, Dad, Dad. I'm like, bro, please, please, please. And as time will go by, all all I can feel the judgment of of the plane, like, heaping in on us, saying, shut up your child. I'm like, I'm trying to shut him up. He won't. And we get, the journey keeps going on, and I'm like, I love this dude so much. And then this lady has this audacity to me, and it's like this, this perfect, they look like a, a stand-up couple who had like actors as children because they're sitting there perfectly next to us. They didn't move. I don't even know if they were alive. They're just sitting there the whole time like perfectly. And then she, what, Eli had been crying, and we're trying to keep this little 18-month-old dude just, please, buddy, be a little bit quiet, and he would not go to sleep. And we're just like, will this flight ever end? She leans over, she's like, would you like me to give you some medicine to help with your child? It's like, no, get away from me. Like, we're doing the best we can, you know. But time goes by as we're going on this, on this flight and we finally get to the, to the landing and we have this big reunion with our family. And I kept thinking about on the flight, it's just going to be worth it when we get to the other side of this plane ride. I was thinking about this when I was flying back of, went with dating. It's just like getting on a plane. It has a beginning and an ending, and it's going somewhere and has a destination. 
I think it's so important for us to understand that just like when a plane takes off, it has a direction and a place in which you were to go. And just you can have an enjoyable flight like you're going with your friends and off, off your way on a beautiful adventure. Or it can be challenging. Dating can be hard. It can be difficult. But I think there's a way if we look at the scriptures that God would have us live that shapes the way we act. Paul's writing this and he's saying to the church in Ephesus, hey, you need to understand and remember that you have been called. Plain and simply in verse 1, he says, don't, don't forget, he's writing and saying, live, live in a way, in a manner that is worthy of your calling, to which you have been called. The first thing I have plain and simply for you tonight is that would you remember that you've been called by God? Would you remember and think to the reality that you have been called by God? What do I mean by this is that we have to understand, it says in verse 4, that there is one body and one spirit and that you are called to one hope, that we have a hope in Jesus. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we put our faith and trust in Him and we are called into the life of following Jesus. Paul would write in Ephesians 1 that says that even as He chose us in before Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. I think we live in a world that is trying its best to date, but we don't have a clear picture as to where we want to go. Have you ever thought for a moment, what do you want your life to look like when you're 30? What do you want your life to look like when you're 50? What do you want your life to look like when you're 70? What do you want your life to look like for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren? And that's where I think it's so important that we have to understand what you have been called into. You're not just trying to date because it's a nice thing to do, but no, you're trying to have something that will last and a marriage that will have an impact on the people around you and you have a mission that you've been invited into. Meaningless dating happens when you don't have a mission. You date blind, but I believe God wants to give you a vision for your life. That calling has consequences. When's the last time you've paid for something that cost you something because it was worthy. I remember buying the, the engagement ring for Taylor and I put a little bit of money away every single week to try to save up for this ring because I knew what was on the other side of that engagement that I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Something that's worthy, you're prepared to pay a price for it. And I just believe tonight that God would have us understand that you don't just have to live a life where you get caught up in the momentary things that you're going through and forget that God has called you into something greater. I think so many young adults carry around shame and baggage and, and hurt, but God's saying, no, I've called you by name. You don't need to worry about the mistakes of the past, the things that you've gone through. I still am calling you. When you understand your calling, it changes the way in which you live. I think we have to think about this, that just because that person has oxygen and gives you a little bit of attention doesn't mean you need to date them, right? It's like, she, that you, you know, when your friend starts going on that date and he's like, dude, why are you going out with her? Like, she's horrible. Like, stay away. And she's like, give me a little bit of attention, you know? There, there's things in life that I, would, that I would say to you, man, when you know you're calling, it informs the way in which you live. 
Don't just settle because someone's showing you a little bit of attention. Don't just settle because someone says, hey, would you like to go out with me? Have an understanding and a clear picture of where you want your life to go. You've been called, rally, so live like it. Fall madly in love with Jesus and orientate yourself around him. You know and have a picture of what you want your life to look like and let that inform who you will date and how you will date. And find someone who's about the same things. Find someone who they themselves has an understanding of the calling of God on their life and what they've been called into. The second thing that I see in this text, plain and simply, and a question that I want to ask you is, how's your walk? Paul writes and says that, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul's writing this request. He's saying, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. I urge you, Riley, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He's not writing to them saying, hey guys, I'm in a little bit of, in a little bit of trouble. I'm in prison right now. Do you think you could come and rescue me? He's not asking them to come and get him. He's writing this with urgency from prison. And he says, hey, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. There's so often in life we catch ourselves doing things that we weren't necessarily created and walking in a way in which we were created to live. While I was in Australia, I was uh, road tripping from the Gold Coast to Sydney, which is about a nine-hour drive. Uh, I had borrowed a, a fam family member's car, and I, I was driving it back to, to Sydney, and we were about to fly back to the States to come home, and Taylor and Eli had flown back to Sydney because like an hour flight, and we didn't want to go through another tormented uh, issue of long travel. So we said, one hour flight, get out of here, you know what I mean? And we got, got in this, on this, I went on this road trip, and I'm excited. I'm a dad. I absolutely love my son. He's the best. He's full of energy. So I was excited for just like a little eight hours of just introvert time, going to listen to a book, go on a road trip. And then I'm, I'm driving, and about halfway through the road trip, I hear something that I didn't want to hear. It's like, dig, 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 dig. And I have this blown tire, and I get out, and I'm the opposite of a handyman. And I, I get, get out, and I'm looking, and I'm like, how do you change a tire? Like, I'm trying to think. I call my brother-in-law. I'm like, give me a quick 101 on how to change this thing. And I, I'm doing the, trying my best to change this tire, and I change it. I'm looking at this tiny little tire, and I'm like, please, Lord Jesus, don't fall off when I start driving away, you know? And I'm absolutely petrified by the side of the road that a big truck's going to come by and just run me over and it's my life's over. I'm having all these panics and I'm, I start driving and I'm just like so nervous. Like I've got this tiny little wheel behind me and I was, I'd been loving this drive because I was in this like nice German car that had like pilot assist. It was like, like just driving itself and now I'm, I'm petrified driving because I'm thinking man a truck's like these trucks are flying past me because I'm doing 80 k's an hour and I don't know what that is in miles so do some math it's slow okay uh, I'm driving super slow down the motorway I've got now what was supposed to be about three hours left it took me six hours to get home because I'm just driving so slowly and I kept thinking this is not the way this vehicle was created to be this is not how this was designed to be it's worth so much more, but now I'm driving like a little turtle on the side of the road trying to get to where I had to go. And I want to encourage you, Rally, hear the urgency in Paul's writing saying, hey, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He's saying, this is my earnest request to you. 
Be someone who, who understands that you believe this to be true, what I'm writing in the first half of this book, in this letter. But would now shape your living. Because your walking requires everything. Your whole being. It's not like you, you can have a little f- finger battle and say, oh, I'm good. But no, your walking is, is your whole being. And he's saying, hey, the way in which you live, would it be worthy of your calling? Understand that you have been called and let that in shape the way in which you walk. So I want to ask you, will you date like a disciple? Someone who's a follower of Jesus, not just like the world. Date in a way that demands explanation. Date in a way that is a testimony of itself, that there's something different about the way that you live. Paul writes and highlights that he says, walk with humility. How I want to ask you the question, maybe you're dating or, or will date, but how's the posture of your heart when you date? Is it full of pride and arrogance or are you looking for someone who's humble? This is Paul's encouragement to the church of how to live together and do community. And, he, and I would ask you the question, Rally: Is the person that you're looking to date humble? Are they arrogant and prideful? He says, walk with gentleness. How's the way in which you date? Is it kind and caring or quick-tempered and angry? These are characteristics and ways in which to date. He says, walk with patience. How often are we so rushed in life that we have to have it now? Like if I don't find this dream person right now, it's all over. And I think holistically as a community, we need to be more comfortable with patience. We live in a day and age where we can swipe left and swipe right, and it takes some time, and I understand that. But there's something about living in a way that's patient, not rushed. If I've felt to say this as well, girls, if the guy that you want to date is just pressuring you to sleep with him or do these things, and, and he has zero patience to wait until marriage, I'd say get, get away from him. Find a man who's patient. Find people who walk bearing one another in love. Does love drive the way that we live? Paul's saying, hey, be a person who walks in a way worthy of your calling and walk in love. I wonder, do you leave a trail of destruction behind you or a trail of blessing wherever you go? I'm not saying every relationship's going to be perfect. I'm not saying every person that you're dating, you might break up with them. You might go through challenging things, but can you leave blessing wherever you go? He says, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got when it came to dating was, they're either your brother and sister in Christ, or they're your husband and wife. There's no in between. Would we not create this weird, like, I own you kind of mentality and this weird thing in dating where it's just so, so messed up, but say, no, you're my brother or sister in Christ, and until I marry you, I'm going to honor you and treat you, and no, one day I, I hope to marry you, but maybe you're going to marry someone else, and I want to treat you with honor and dignity and respect. Would we not create division and hurt and heartache around us? We say all of this to say that Paul's writing, rally, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. 
This is the part where I want to land this thought tonight. Is that Paul's writing and he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. My last question is, will we live for Christ? Paul's writing this in, in prison and he's saying, hey, I'm not, not, a, not ashamed of the bondage, the challenge, the things that I'm going through. Circumstantially, it's hard. But he's writing this and saying, hey, I am a prisoner for the Lord. He's a prisoner of Rome, but he's saying, no, I'm a prisoner for Christ, that I've been living for Christ. And it's almost like he's saying, I'm proud because I've been following Jesus and it's led me to being in captivity because of my witness and the way in which I'm living. And I just want to ask you, are you living for Christ? In every aspect of your life, are you living for Christ? I would ask that you live in a way that demands an explanation. There's something different about you, Raleigh. There's something different about the young adults of South Carolina because they are living for Christ. Would you yourself be someone who that future someone is looking for? There's something about the way in which you live to live for Christ that is attractive to someone else living for Christ, and that is someone that you could spend the rest of your life with. Have a picture in your mind of the godly spouse that, that you are looking for, and let that inform the way in which you live. Don't live for man's approval. Don't live in a way that, that is just buying what culture is selling you. This is such a big moment, a big decision, a big, it's so important, hard, challenging, risky. I understand all of that to say. But would we be the kind of people, not just when it comes to dating, but in our holistic living, live for Christ? I was thinking about uh, this, this moment, and I, I was honestly praying in Australia for you and for this time. And I was like, honestly, just like to God, what, what can I say? There's so much content available when it comes to relationships. There's so much. Uh, you can go on YouTube. You can find preachers. You can find books. You can do all sorts of things. But wh why would young adults on a Tuesday night gather to talk about relationships and dating and it's such a big decision and such a big topic. So many voices, so many things culture have to say about relationships. And every single one of you, I could, I, we could spend all night, I could bring people on stage who have different and unique stories. Some really good stories, some people with a lot of pain and heartache, and I fully respect and honor every single story represented across the state. But I just simply felt so strongly to share. Would we plain and simply be a community that follow Jesus? It's so simple to say, but I think some, so often we go to church, we go to church services and we kind of get caught up in this cultural Christianity that we're a part of. And I just am telling you, I, I don't want to just play church games, but I want to see God move in the young adults of South Carolina. I'm so passionate about 
believing that God would do something in specifically the relationships and the dating demographic of the young adults of South Carolina that demands explanation. I truly believe, I remember standing in this room at the end of last year and feeling like God saying, I want to pour my spirit out on the young adults of South Carolina if they want it. And I just don't want us to be a community that just kind of get caught up going to nice services, having a nice time, but know there's something in us that's hungry for what God wants to do. And Paul is writing this from prison and he's writing this to this church and he's, for whatever reason, decided to articulate these words. He's saying, understand that you've been called. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling and I'm a prisoner for God. And Paul would later go on to die for Christ. That he would ultimately be put to death because of his faith in Jesus and the way in which he was living for Jesus. Now that's just not even something that you and I really have to consider in, in, in the context and the part of this world that we live in. We're safe. But I simply had one question for you. You may not have to die for Christ, but will you live for Him? Or will you just live for yourself and what the things that you want to do in your life? But will you be someone who, by the time your life has come to an end, said, no, I live for Christ. When you look back, will you say, man, when it came to relationships, I live for Christ. It made me look different. I didn't just hook up because that's what the world told, told me to do. I didn't just go out with whoever because that, they gave me a bit of attention. No, I had a vision for what my life could look like in following Jesus. I wanted to walk in a way worthy of that calling. And ultimately, I lived for Christ. Would you stand with me? I think the greatest tragedy of this generation would be if we just went to church, had a nice time, but we didn't live for Christ. My friends, would we not be apathetic to the things of God? Would we not just be comfortable with just like, this is a nice thing to go to, but no, would we understand that the Holy Spirit wants to transform you? The baggage that you might feel that you keep lugging around and the shame that you feel, I believe, can be broken and you can find freedom in Jesus. The heartache that you're feeling, maybe from relationships, I believe that you can find healing for that. You don't just have to keep going through life alone trying to figure this thing out all by yourself. But that's why God created community and for us to do this journey together. And in a moment, we're going to worship together. We're going to sing and we've created intentional space for us to worship together. And just meet with God and I believe every single person might have a different response. You are welcome to come to the altar and there's something about physically moving and just, just saying, God, would you speak to me? Maybe you need to take a seat and just write in your journal, what, what's the things you're feeling and sensing in this moment? What are the conversations that you need to have in your rally group? Maybe you're not in a rally group and we would love to get you into a thriving community that can help you along the way. But I just can't help but think, why, why God are we here? Like, what, what's the point? 
Maybe you moved for a college to a city around the state. Maybe you just got a new job and you've moved here. Or maybe you've been here for a long time. Or for me, I moved from Australia to live in this, this part of the world. And if you are a part of New Spring, God's doing something in our church. He's doing something new and we don't always have the right answers. But I, I wholeheartedly believe that God's taking us on a journey together. And for whatever reason, you're here this age in 2022. And what would God say about you and me in the way in which we live this time? But not only that, what would the world say about the way in which we live? What if those history books would be written about the community of Rally across the state? Not just Rally, the church in South Carolina. I wonder, would we live for Christ? There's this letter that I wanted to read to you as we bring our time to a close that I just think was, would be amazing if something like this was written about us. This letter was written in about the second or third century about the early church. The early churches that just started as a group of people who committed to following Jesus and committed to following in His ways faced much persecution. So many people would lose their lives for Jesus. People would follow and communities started to change and look different and there was things recorded about the early church. And I read this letter recently and it just struck me so deep that I wonder what would, could be written about the young adults of South Carolina? Could it be something similar to this? They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country and every land of their birth as a land of strangers. They marry, as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored and yet in their very dishonor are glorified. They are, they are evil spoken of and yet justified. They are reveled and bless. They are ins insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. They are assailed by the Jews as foreigners and are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. Whatever circumstantially may take place in this world, pandemics, challenges culturally, I don't know what it would be, but would we be a community that followed Jesus in a way that doesn't make sense to the world? And when it comes to our dating, would we date in a way worthy of our calling? You need to know that there is something inside of you that God is doing, shaping and molding. And we, would we commit together of going on the journey of being a community that, hey, we might not always make it right. We may, not, we may disagree and challenge, but would we let love permeate in the air and as a community follow after Jesus and live in a way that is worthy of the calling that we have been invited into? 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a moment to ask you, do you know Jesus? You've heard me talk and share this thought, but maybe as you're sitting there, you've been around church for a while. Maybe you grew up in church. I don't know your story or your background, but I just believe that Jesus wants a relationship with you, that he wants to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that no matter the mistakes, the baggage, the shame that you've, you have because of the finished work of Jesus, he's taken the sin and the brokenness upon himself. And for those who profess and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you can have eternal life with him. And I just wanna give an opportunity, if that's you tonight, that you wanna put your faith and trust in Jesus across the state, I'm gonna to count to three. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I know you're out there. I believe across the state, people are gonna raise their hand and so their team can walk, walk with you through this. I'm not gonna point you out or embarrass you. But if that's you on the count of three, if you want a relationship with Jesus, spend eternity with Him, not just get a ticket to heaven, but you can enjoy His presence right now. I just wanna know on the count of three, if that's you. One, two, Three. It's awesome. Right across the room, there's people reaching out their hand right now. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I'm going to give it a second longer. If there's anyone else across the state, you can keep your hand up. So proud of you. So amazing. It's so good. Is there anyone else? It's amazing. You can put your hand down. Right here in this room, lots of people raise their hand, I'm sure, across the state. But can I just pray for you? Jesus, I thank you for every single person reaching out their hand as a sign of faith, saying they wanna put their faith and trust in you. That you know every single person by name, you know the hairs on their head, you know their story, their background, everything. And I pray tonight that they'll feel your love from the top of their head to the tip of their toes, that as they go home tonight, they'll feel peace like they've never felt before. Because right now as in their heart, they're believing, they're saying, God, I wanna trust you that they can have eternal life with you and begin a relationship with you. God, I'm so grateful for the finished work of the cross that we can trust and believe in you. And I bless these people in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, can we give these people a huge round of applause? It's amazing. Our, our team would love to meet with you and pray with you after this service and a local leader will share and, and help you in the, in the beginning of this, at the end of the service to, to talk to you. But for the rest of us, we're about to sing and we're about to worship. And I wanna encourage you, don't let the shame hold you back. Don't let what, what's been entangled you stop you from, from going in and some worship tonight. God what loves you, the challenges you're going through, and He wants to meet with you. So right now, God, we pray as we make space to worship. Whatever you wanna do, we ask, would you do it? I thank you for what you're doing in rally and the young adults across the state. Would you pour your spirit out in the mighty name of Jesus, amen.